0: From glory to glory, just say amen. Amen. If you've come to be challenged and you're willing to accept that challenge, just say amen. Amen. And mean it before God. Praise God. Anyone at all, need a copy of the notes, just raise your hand. Back there. Got your Bible with you, let's hold them to heaven and say thank you Father. For your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus name, amen. Amen. Praise God. We have a brother up here that wants a copy of the notes. Anybody else just raise your hand up high. Praise God. This morning I want to share with you and talk with you about discipleship and truly what it means to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Following Jesus will be the title this morning. In the book of Luke chapter 9 beginning at verse 23, this is from the NIV version. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must, everybody say must. That means not could, not should, but must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, everybody say daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world And yet, lose or forfeit their very self. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man shall be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. When Jesus left the glory world to come to the earth to save mankind, what he did was deny himself to take up his cross and follow the Father's redemptive plan to save mankind. If you recall what Jesus said when he was on earth, I only do and say the things I hear my father do and say. I'm just doing what he told me to do. i am come to do the will of my father. And love was the motivation behind all that Jesus did. That's why he left. That's why he denied himself and became a man. Now in these verses he says to all of us, if you want to follow me, come after me. You too must, number one, deny yourself. Take up, number two, your cross, and that's daily, and follow me. So in other words, we're to do exactly what Jesus did when he left the glory world behind. And we're to be motivated by the same motivation, which is love. Do you love God this morning? Do you love Jesus this morning? Do you love the Holy Spirit this morning? So motivated by love, we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. And we want to talk about what it really means to follow Him. But before we do, let's answer this question. Why is it important for us to know what it means to follow Him? Why is that so important? Well, the answer to that is because of the consequences. Because of the consequences. You see, we can live two ways. We can live... To fulfill our own hopes, dreams, desires, aspirations. We can live following our own plan, purpose, and pursuits if we want to. Or we can live to do it God's way. But here's the thing that Jesus said He said, If you live for yourself, you're going to lose three things. You're going to lose number one, your life, number two, your soul, and number three, your Savior. Your life, your soul, and your Savior. I want to explain that. As far as your life is concerned, he's talking about that which is temporal. We all have a life to live on this planet. It's our period of time. It's the dash between he was born here and died there. It's that period of time taken from eternity that we live on planet Earth for a reason. That is to determine our eternal destination. And so as we live our life on this Earth... I'm going to use myself here. If I, let's say I wasn't a Christian and I don't come to Christ to give him my life, then I'm living for myself. And so number one, if I live for myself, I am going to lose my life. My temporal life on earth will not count for anything. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm living for myself. I'm not living to advance the kingdom of God. I'm not investing in the work of God. I'm living a life that I want to live for myself, by myself, with my own direction and guidance for myself. I'm leaving God out of the equation. And if I leave God out of the equation, then when I leave this realm of life, I've made no deposits in the things that are eternal, only in things that are temporal that satisfy me. And so in the end, there's nothing. I forfeit my life. Let's put it like this. I would never think about being a pastor before I got saved. I was living my own life, doing my own thing. I would never have thought in a million years to be a pastor. But when I came to Christ, that all changed. He had a plan, and I didn't know about it before that. The second thing you're going to lose is your soul. I'm going to lose my soul if I don't come and give my life to Christ. Now... In 36 years of ministry, I have done hundreds of funerals. Hundreds of funerals. And you hear it all. The person whose funeral it is could have lived like the devil himself. And everyone says they're in a better place. I recall one recently where he committed robbery and murder. And then suicide. And I heard the family members say, but he's at rest now in a better place. Really? Listen, I had some elderly lady in her 80s, gray hair, someone's sweet little grandma, walk up to me after I got done doing a, ser- a, a service, a funeral service, and said to me, man, I know where I'm going. I said, "Thank." God somebody knows where they're going. And she says yes I'm going straight to hell and play strip poker with the devil when I die. My eyes got bigger than yours right now. I about fell over at the funeral home. Another one was it takes a man to live, it takes a man to die, this religion business this religious stuff, that's for weak people, when I die I'm going to take care of myself really, oh really, sounds, it sounds like you're a macho man when you're living on this side of eternity and how about the one that said, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to have a good time and party with my friends, we're going to get together we might just take hell over you think I'm kidding? These are the attitudes that exist among people. Well, let me tell you something right now. I read Luke 19 or 16, 19-31, through 31, and Jesus described two men that died. They both lived and they both died. One was a beggar and he was carried to Abraham's bosom, but the other one, this man was a rich man who fared chumps every day, did his own thing, lived his own life, had no regard for God or man, and it says he went into hell, and in that place He wasn't saying, let's party. He didn't say, where's the poker game going to be held? You know what he said? Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger and cool my tongue. I'm tormented in these flames. Not so macho. When you leave this realm, the third thing, I wish I had time to elaborate, but the third thing, you know what you lose? You know what what I would lose? my savior what do you mean what did Jesus just say if you're ashamed of me and you're ashamed of my words then when I come in glory with the holy angels before the father I'll be ashamed of you listen I don't want to leave this body without a savior because for me to navigate through the unknown realm of the spirit where I've never been before I want to make sure I've got a life savior I want to know my Savior. But you know what he said? You forfeit that. You ashamed of me, I'm ashamed of you. And I can just see it like this. What's going on here? Jesus, help me. Too late. You forfeited me. I came from heaven. I clothed myself in flesh. I lived on this earth. I demonstrated who I was. I went to a cross. I became your sin, Bill. I became your sin. And I suffered for you. And I was raised from the dead on the third day. And made alive so you could be made alive. And I would be your savior. And you were ashamed of me and my words. You said you could handle your own life. So you see, number one, you forfeit your life. Temporal life on earth. You forfeit your life eternally. One's temporal, one's eternal. You forfeit God's plan for your life. Your soul is lost eternally. And number three, you don't have a Savior when you leave this realm. That's the consequence. But then there's a second consequence. The reason why I want to know what it means to follow Jesus is because of these reasons. Okay? I gain certain things. I gain my life on earth. I gained. Think about it. I gain. Not just my temporal life, but my eternity. And thirdly, I gain a Savior. So number one, what does it mean I gain my life on earth? On this earth... I discover his plan I discover his purpose I realize he's got a better plan than what I have he's wiser than I am he's smarter than I am he knows a whole lot more he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning and so he has a plan just for me he told Jeremiah I knew you before your mother's womb I've got a plan for you to make you to do whatever and you know what he got a hold of me when I gave him my life I told you I would never be a pastor never consider it but here Notice, we glorify God on earth by doing His will. John 17, verse 4, here's what Jesus said. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. You know, God has given me a work to do. But God has given you a work to do. And when you accept Him as your Savior, you begin to find out what His work is, what His will is. And you see, there's a twofold will of God. The general revealed will of God. And there's the specific revealed will of God. People want to know the specific, but you're not going to find the specific until you start walking in the general. You accept Jesus as your Savior. You get filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Then you begin walking with Him. You find yourself a good church. You study the Bible. You get involved in prayer and etc. And you serve. Jesus was a servant above everything else. He came to serve humanity, and you start following in His footsteps and you start serving as well. And before long, you know what happens? the specific emerges. And the specific, specific may be very well just being involved in a local body of believers. Let's say where you minister to people that were within the congregation. It could be that he sends you to some foreign missionary field. And that's okay. Because if he's in it, you'll be blessed for doing it. But you see, your life on earth is temporal. It's not forever. So you see, I gain that debt. Every investment I make, I make in the kingdom of God. And you know what? I've been told there's a reward on the other side for doing it. Number two, what else do I gain? Eternity. My soul is eternally saved. You're an eternal spirit being. You will live forever. There's nothing on this planet called earth that can possibly be so important that you lose your soul. What's going to be the advantage, Jesus said, if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? No. So I'm eternally saved. Remember First John chapter 5, verse 12, what it says? He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So this is my eternal being. And you know what? Every child born into this world is an eternal spirit being that will never cease to exist. And where that child spends his or her eternity will be determined by a decision that is made in his or her life. And you know what? Parents have the privilege of steering their children in the right direction. Our children know God because we've we've taught them about God. But then the third thing, I love it, don't you? A Savior is not ashamed of me. Look at Hebrews 2.11. My Savior is not ashamed of me. In Hebrews 2.11, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So can you imagine when you emerge out of your body? You come out through your mouth. You be in your ascent to the very throne of Almighty God. And as you make your way to the pearly gates and you're there before the Father. And Jesus says, Father, I'm not ashamed to call Bill my brother. Can you say amen? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of your Lord. So there's two paths to take. There's two ways to navigate. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. I'd rather have the way of life. Let me give you some illustrations. Alexander the Great, he had a desire. He wanted to conquer the known world. And after conquering what? Two million square miles of land, he was considered to be one of history's most successful commander. Think about it. But you know what? He wanted people to worship him as God. He served many gods, false gods, and at the end wanted everyone to worship him as God. See, all that stuff goes to the head. You know what? This mighty warrior, this mighty leader, couldn't conquer malaria because at age 32 he died of a fever from malaria. What's he got now? What is temporal is gone, what is eternal remains? Do I need to say anything about Adolf Hitler? After he believed he would win the war, after he believed he would brainwash all the young people to think the way he thinks, his goal, second goal, would have been to stamp out Christianity in all religion. Well, guess what? When he found out he was losing the war and defeat was imminent, he commits suicide. Wow. The end thereof is the way of what? But then there's another individual. His name is Moses. Moses had the world with a fence around it. Just right before his eyes. He could have possessions. He could have power. He could have popularity. He could have anything he wanted. Because you see, he was going to inherit everything that was there. In Egypt. But guess what? He said no to the Pharaoh. He said yes to suffering affliction with the people of God for a season and exalting that in his life to be of better value than having all the world with a fence around it power, think about it, popularity, fame, fortune, possessions, wealth, everything, prestige, everything that anyone would want to, to succeed within this life was at his fingertips, but he says no. And look at Hebrews chapter 11, 24 through 27, what they say. He said no to all that. He said yes to the living God. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction, notice, back it up to the, that first line, refuse something to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing he chose something to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season he esteemed something, held it in high esteem and high regard, what is that? the riches of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, he had rec- respect for, unto the recompense of the reward, there's a reward for serving the Savior by faith he forsook, he forsook, turned away, walked away from Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he also endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith. You know, um, recently I just did the luncheon over at Peachtree, and I talked about. In our proximity, not too far from here, is what is called the National Football League Hall of Fame. Anybody been there? All you ladies. and in that National Football League Hall of Fame they have a list of all these individuals that excelled at the game of football and they go down the annals of history as being those that really excelled and it's it's really quite an accomplishment and achievement but not everybody's in there but do you know the Bible has a Hall of Fame also? It's called the Faith Hall of Fame and in that Faith Hall of Fame it begins with men like Abel it begins with individuals like uh, Enoch, who walked with God, then was not. It goes on to someone like Abraham, and then Moses, and Sarah, and Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, and David, and Daniel, and even a prostitute by the name of Rahab is in the Hall of Faith or Hall of Fame. Why? Because they made a decision that, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm not walking that way anymore. I'm walking this way with Almighty God. I'm going to serve Him, walk with Him, honor Him, obey Him, follow Him. I'm going to live my life with eternity before my mind in the eternal perspective. And it doesn't matter who they were and what they did. When God gets a hold of you, He'll change you from the inside out. And that's exactly what Moses did. Now, while Alexander the Great, while Hitler and many others, are finding themselves along with the rich man, crying out for some kind of relief from the torture. Moses was found on the Mount of Transfiguration, glorified with Jesus and with Elijah. What would you rather have? Eternity is a long time. It's forever. So now, why is it important to know what it means to follow Jesus? Because these are the consequences. Either you have life or you don't. You live for yourself or you live for God. Okay. Now, let's get involved into speaking about what it really means to follow Jesus. Luke 9, 23 NIV. Once again, let's just read that verse again. Notice. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple. Say it again. Must. Say it again. Who has the right? Who has the knowledge? Who has the know-how? Who knows what it means to be a disciple? Only Jesus has the one to set the standard, right? Absolutely. And he says, you must do three things. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. He didn't say he must go to church someday, walk down the aisle, and get on your knees and pray a simple prayer. Walk back, leave, and then never come back to church again, or never do anything about your life again spiritually. He didn't say just to do that. No, if you want to be my disciple, and remember this. Someone says, I'm a Christian, I'm not necessarily a disciple. Well, if you are a Christian, then you are a disciple. Because the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So if you are a Christian, you're a disciple. If you're a disciple, you're a disciplined student. If you're a disciplined student, that means you've got a lot of studying to do. Amen? So to walk away and ignore any future uh, developing of your Christian life is to ignore what the master said, who is the teacher. And what did he say? Self-denial is at the head of the list. Just as Jesus denied himself from continuing in his position at the Father's right hand, what did he do? He denied himself that privilege, and he robed himself in flesh. And what do we do? We say, my life, if I live it myself, gets me nowhere. I give you my life. I deny myself. What am I doing? Here's what I'm doing. I am forfeiting my right to live my life Apart from the supervision of the Most High God. I'm not living my life independent of God. Because if I do, I'm going to be lost. Only He knows the way. Only Jesus is the way, truth, and life. Only Jesus knows the right path I'm to take. So what I'm going to do is make a decision that I am going to deny myself. And the word deny there in the Greek is the same word that Jesus used when he spoke to Peter and Peter said remember I'll always be there for you Lord and what did Jesus say Peter before morning comes you'll deny me three times the word deny means disown disassociate detach yourself from and three times he was confronted and three times what did he say I don't know him I have nothing to do with him I'm detached from him I'm not his disciple I'm not. didn't he say that for three times Right. So you know what that means? To deny yourself? You're detaching yourself from your own fleshly ways. You're denying yourself. You're disowning your own physical self. Actually, let's put it this way. Jesus said, I bought and paid you with my blood. Therefore, you don't belong to yourself anyhow. Therefore, glorify me in your body and your spirit because they belong to me. I, dis, I t- no longer take ownership of my own self. And if, you belong, if I belong to you and you own me then you have the right to dictate to my life and tell me what you want me to do. Also, secondly, it means to live your life to please God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. It means to live our lives to please God, not myself, but to please Him. Wherefore, we labor, we labor. Why? That whether present or absent, that is from the body, we may be accepted by Him. In other words, we study. The word labor there, it means to study. We study to love Him. We study to please Him. We study to appreciate Him. Why do we have to study? Because if we don't know what God's laws and commandments and statutes are, then how can we please Him? We can't. So we labor, we study, we give ourselves intently to the study of His word to find out what pleases God and what doesn't please God. Actually, we become very ambitious. When it comes to saying and doing what he wants us to say. What he wants us to do. It's exactly what Jesus did. He says I'm not saying what I want to say. I'm saying what I hear the father say. I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm doing what I see the father do. We do the same thing. And we tell the Lord I don't want to please myself. I want to please you. That's why we forgive those that are. Let's say hurting us. Offending us. That's why we love those that don't love us. That's why we love those that even hate us. Why? Because I'm doing what I saw my Savior do. You know, when he was up there on that cross and he looked down and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What an example that we are to follow. <laughs> Someone did something, they wronged you. Maybe they did something very minor to you. And, and we hold unforgiveness and animosity and bitterness within the heart. And Jesus just got done experiencing a scourging. Now he's on a cross where he's about to breathe his last breath. And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing." What an example to follow. So you see, we don't live for ourselves. We live to please God. We live to see to it that we honor Him and all that we think, say, and do. And then also we place and exalt His will above our will. It's not our will that we want done. It's your will that we want done, Father. And that's exactly what Jesus did. So being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus Christ... It means I deny myself the right to allow my feelings and emotions to take co- control of my life and lead me down a path that I want to go on in the natural. How many of you know that man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed and then when he gives into that, it brings forth sin. Sin when it's finished brings forth what? Death. So even though we become Christians, I'm a Christian walking with God, it doesn't mean that you can't sin. It doesn't mean you can't walk away from truth and walk away and do whatever you want to do. It's easy for anyone and everyone to do that. And so what do we do? We do daily. We daily do what? The next step. We daily, it's called self-crucifixion. Or you could say it's cross-bearing. You can add that to it or say that it's self-crucifixion. It's cross-bearing. And every one of us is told to to bear our cross. But sometimes I think we're wrong in in our understanding of it. Look in the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24. What it says. And they that are Christ. Are we Christ this morning? Have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts, what have they done? This is called self-crucifixion. You crucify. It's called cross-bearing. But we have the idea that cross-bearing is something different in our modern uh, theology today. You can hear people talk, and they'll say, well, this is my cross to bear. And what they mean is maybe a sickness in their body. Well, this is my cross to bear. Well, it doesn't mean that. Well, it could be that it's a strained relationship with somebody. And you know what? It's just my cross to bear. Well, it doesn't mean that. It could be this job, this, un, this thankless job that I'm in, but I know I've got to do it, it's just my cross to bear. It's not talking about that. It's not talking about a situation, I'm not talking about a circumstance, I'm not talking about those things that are tough in life. I'm not talking about that at all. You know what cross bearing is? Go to Bible days. Bearing a cross meant death. Death is what it meant. Dead to self. Dead to self. To self, Paul said I'm crucified with Christ and notice they crucify their own flesh if we don't crucify our flesh trust me our flesh will take us down a wrong path and how often did he say to do it daily, Paul said I die daily. To what? To the flesh, not to the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit. The flesh wants to do its own thing. The spirit wants to do its own thing. It's going to be headbutting at the soul, the mind, will, and emotions of man. And so it's important we recognize this on a day-by-day basis and we, we present ourselves before God like, like today. And hear the word. Don't you want to be challenged this morning? Don't you want to be more Christ-like? Isn't that our goal? To be like him? Emulate his life? And that's why we're here this morning. So we can hear the truth that will liberate us. It's not just saying a sinner's prayer, walking away, and then doing our own thing. It means we are willing to die daily for the cause of Christ. And that means no matter what we encounter for making that decision, we gladly and willfully do it. If it means losing our close friends, so be it. If it means being alienated from family members, so be it. Do you see that? And you know what? We may not live in a society right now where it's as tough as many others. Because you see, back in those early years of of Christianity, if you accepted Christ, if you got baptized in Christ, you would lose your closest friends. You would lose your family. You would be, in many cases, excommunicated from the assembly of believers in the temple. You'd be kicked out. You would also like Paul, lose your reputation. Have you experienced that? People that used to like you before you got saved, when you got saved, now he's a Jesus freak. Did you ever get that? Call me a freak for Jesus. I love it. Whatever you want. I remember I used to play in the bands and all that. It was on this group. We would would go and play in nightclubs, bars, and bar mitzvahs, and weddings, and You know, I think the bar mitzvahs and weddings were worse than the bars. (laughs) I dodged them many beer bottles at a wedding or a bar mitzvah. Okay, (laughs) I surely did. But when I got saved, I'm telling you, I walked into... What we would do as a group, you know, we just made money on the side. I was in college. I would make money. It was easy, quick money to make on a weekend. I mean, you'd lose some sleep and all that, but it was quick to make some money. I wasn't a drinker or anything like that even back then. But um, we wa- I walked into this one bar, and it was like a nightclub. And we were talked to the manager to see if we can get a gig. That's my age. I'm huh, showing. We called it a gig. <laughs> and I walked in. I sat down in the chair with the other team members, other musicians that were with me. When I sat down, I started shaking. When I tell you I was shaky, I got to the point, I got so worked up. I just stood up and just says, we have to leave now. Got up, got out. And the next day I told the team members, others, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the band. That was my conviction. I heard in my spirit, you don't belong here. I said, okay. You know, if you get in the devil's territory, don't be surprised if the devil gets on you. I got out. I walked away. Actually, I got rid of my equipment, my guitar, my amplifier, because back then I didn't even know you can play for God. I got rid of one of the most beautiful guitars. A Gibson ES-335 stereo guitar with amplifier and all that, I can't get into all that, forget it <laughs> understand, I was on a different path for my life and did it hurt financially, yeah it hurt financially because I was going to be making that money that I did, but you know what, it didn't matter because God supplies all of our needs according unto His riches and glory by Christ Jesus, God has other means and methods we're about to get some things into our possession, can you say amen, amen. okay, so even if you lose your job, and many do but then also, what about your life? And, and I want you to see this. It's not that you have to lose these things. You have to be willing to lose these things. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. We have to be willing to give it all up. If you then being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right, at the right, hand, on the right hand of God. Set your affection, your devotion, your emotions, your mind on what things above? Not on things on earth. For you are what? What are we? What are we? Dead. And our life is hid with Christ in God. We're dead to self. We're dead to those things. And so look at the apostle Paul. Apostle Paul there he is with letters in his hand to go to Damascus and throw. Everybody that's a Christian in jail. But what does he do? He sees Jesus on the Damascus road. He has a complete 180. He gets saved, gets his heart to Jesus, gets filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And then the one he was crucified, the one he wanted to destroy, he is now preaching and proclaiming and teaching. You think he lost his friends? Oh, I guarantee you. They stoned him, left him for dead. They beat his feet with rods. They put five times 39 stripes on his back and filleted his flesh. And he got healed from all that. But you know what he said? It doesn't matter. I am willing to go to Rome. I'm willing to be bound. I'm willing to do anything and give my life for the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is that Christianity today? Where it's not a side issue. Jesus didn't say take up your cross on Sunday and follow me. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, live like the devil and it's okay. Somebody say amen. amen. In the book of Philippians in chapter 3. Or, uh, first of all, wait a minute. Galatians 2.21. The last phase of this is loyal obedience or self-transformation. That means you position yourself to be transformed. I am crucified with Christ. That is, we lay down our lives. Nevertheless, I live. Well, what am I going to do now? Because I'm still living this temporal life on the earth And what am I going to do now? Yet not I, he said, but Christ. Here's the goal of every child of God. Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Look at the motivation. And gave himself for me. So if he gave himself for me, I live to give myself for him. That's why I'm alive, to honor him, to serve him, to obey him, to speak his words, to do his work, his way, his will. That's why we're alive. And when you make investments, it's not the duration of your life. It is the donation of your life that's rewarded on the other side. What are you donating to the kingdom of God? What are you investing in the work of God, in the things of God? Are we living, breathing For the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God upon the earth. And being a positive influence to other people that are in our influence of life. And we share with them the life changing truths of the gospel. And they see in us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Our lights are shining in a world of darkness. We hold forth the word of life to this our generation. Let them see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. That's why we live. That's how we live. You say, yeah, but you're a preacher. I wasn't a preacher. I would not choose me to be a preacher if I was God <laughs> you realize that I told you I ride a milk crane in the Youngstown Sheen Tube Company I ate dirt up there I came out of that place with raccoon eyes when I took my goggles off that was me I went to Youngstown State for two years I got saved. And when I got saved, I got saved. I got full of God. God got a hold of me. God got inside me. And God said to me, you'll be the next pastor of that church. Huh? Lord, remember when I was in school and I couldn't even stand there to talk? In college, remember I'm doing this? You want me to speak to people? How do I know it's God? Because I'm not doing this. That's how I know it's God. If God calls you, God will equip you. God will anoint you. God will appoint you. God will give you all the equipping that you need to do whatever he's called you to do. All he wants is what? willing vessels look at philippians chapter 3 and this is it transformation this is loyal obedience that leads to transformation this is what paul wanted and all the revelation that he had even saw jesus on the master's throat like i said but look at what's your quest is it to gain as much land as you can no is it to, is it to uh be like a hitler and just see to it that you wipe out all those that are religious no Then what is your quest Paul? What are you living for? What are you longing for? You want to be the best at this that or the other thing? No. What do you want Paul? What's your purpose? That I may know him. The power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his suffering. made conformable to his death. If by any means I attain. Unto the resurrection of the dead. Which is the life of God in me. Flowing out of me. To be a light everywhere I go in the world. What was his highest question aim? To emulate the life of Christ everywhere he went. He got beaten for it. He got abused for it. He got rejected for it. He got mocked for it, stoned for it, whipped for it, left out in the sea. Hard to imagine, isn't it? We don't suffer things like that. But I'm telling you, I, my, my heart is, is really heavy over the, a, a lot of what we see today. Today. People want to go to a church service like this here. You know what they want? They want entertained. They don't want challenged. Yeah. Let me come in bring my cup of coffee. And let me bring my big old uh, donut. That long john sounds pretty good about right now. But anyhow, bring in that donut. <laughs> you know, you're we, catering to that, putting coffee cup holders in there and all that. You know what? When you come to a place like this here in this sanctuary, it's all God. Forget your flesh. Amen. Leave your flesh on the outside if you could and bring your spirit man in here. And keep your eyes wide open. Because we're here to hear God. We're here to serve God, honor Him. And you're here to be challenged also. If you leave this place and you're not challenged, I have not done my job. Are you Christ-like yet? you walking as He walked yet? Are you ready for this? This scripture will blow us all away. I, I, when I first read this scripture, I'll tell you what, it just made me so humble before God. A true disciple is this. He sits at the feet of His Master. That's what He does. He looks into his eyes. He watches his every move. He listens to his every word. And he does it over and over and over again. Till he begins to absorb everything that he is. Until he begins to think like him, speak like him, act like him, walk like him, and emulate his life. That is a disciple, a disciplined student who sits at the feet when Martha and Mary, remember Martha? And Mary was sitting at his feet, looking to his eyes, listening to his word, playing on every word that proceeded from the Savior's mouth and Martha went about her business in the kitchen and saying you know ah, there's a lot of work we got to feed these people and, and Mary's over there finally she doesn't go to Mary and say Mary I need your help she goes to Jesus you see what she's doing there get on her case don't you care that she's over there doing nothing and here I am working like a slave Martha Martha you're too busy Martha, Martha, those things need to get done. But Martha, Martha, Jesus said, she's thinking about the things that's the best. Let her alone. You always have dishes. You always have meals, clothes to do, laundry. It's all there. Don't tell me you can't get to church and sit before Almighty God and say, I'm giving myself. I'm giving you my undivided attention so I can hear what you have to say to me today. And Jesus said, she's chosen the best thing. Let her alone. Let her alone. You ready for the verse? You ready for the verse? If this verse doesn't challenge you, get a new challenger. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He that says he abides in him. Do you abide in him? Do you abide in him? Then he ought himself also so to walk Even as he walked. Either say amen or ouch. What? What do you want me to do? John says walk even as he walked. Let that be your quest. Let that be your goal. Let that be your divine purpose. Let that be your aim. All this excuse about, well, you know me, I'm a tie and I get angry. I'm a tie and I get hungry too. I'm trying to like bread. I like pizza. I'll go deeper than that. Spaghetti, meatballs. Give it all. I love it all. Is that an excuse? But that's my demeanor. Well then crucify it. Mortify it. I'm gonna give you another scripture. John fifteen five. John fifteen five. Can you find that? Is this okay? If you're not walking as he walked yet, you need to be in church. You need to study your Bible every day. Not just come to church, study your Bible every day. Pray, look at the Word, study your Bible. And you know what else? You ready for this one? Come on Wednesday night because listen, on Wednesday night I'm talking about being clothed with the Holy Spirit. You think you can be changed without the Holy Ghost? Uh-uh. he changes you from glory to glory when you look into the word as a matter of fact if you want a strong prayer life you want a powerful prayer life you know what you do you get before the spirit of God and just say clothe me clothe me clothe me clothe me he is in us a new spirit to help us keep the commandments and statutes and judgments of the most high God I am the vine Jesus said you are the what the branches. branches he that abides in me and I and I in him the same brings forth much fruit for with out Me, you, can, do, what? Nothing. Abiding in the vine. And you know what? The without me, in the Greek, it is severed from me. Severed. You take a branch of the fruit tree and you sever it, it's not going to produce any fruit after that, is it? Because it's severed from the vine. So every single day, he said, take up your cross. How often? Daily. And daily follow me. Daily crucify your flesh. Daily walk with me. And you'll be changed from glory to glory to glory to glory. So in conclusion, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Self-denial. Deny yourself. Cross-bearing. Take up your cross. Self-crucifixion. Follow me. Follow my example until you're transformed. Praise God. Form Transformed into who he is. And begin to walk like him and talk like him and act like him and do. in, in two more verses and we'll close. In Luke's gospel chapter 14, it also means supreme love, supreme loss, and supreme loyalty. Supreme love for God. You love him above anyone and anything else. Supreme loss. You count it all but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Supreme loyalty. I give myself to you. I am loyal to you unto the death. If it means martyrdom, it means martyrdom. I am loyal to you unto the death. If any man, here's what he said here in Luke. If any man come to me and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my what? Disciple. For whose, And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my what? disciple for which of you intended to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost whether he has sufficient to finish it Lest, happily after he had laid the foundation he's not able to finish it and all that behold it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish or what king going to war against another king sits not down first and consults with uh, whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand Or else, while the other is a yet great way off, he sends an ambassador and decides condition of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Do you hear what he's saying? Who has the right? Who really defines discipleship? Who defines what it means to follow him? Not me, not you. He just did. Does he really want me to hate my father or my mother? Don't misunderstand that. You don't put them above him. If I would have obeyed my mom and dad, they would have said, don't go to Rama, stay home. Mom, I love you. I love you so much, dad. I love you. And I, I may never come back and see you. I don't know. Maybe I'll be, be sent to Africa somewhere. I have no idea. But you know what? I love you. But I have to obey God. I have to obey God. And if your brother or your sister wants you to commit a crime and you just say, hey, I love you, and you're always going to be my sibling, but you know what? God's first. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. I love Jesus more than anything, is what you're saying. And that's what he said. So what does it mean to follow him? Total sacrifice. Total loyalty, loss, and love. Come on up here, praise and worship team. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 as you're coming. What you lose, trust me, it's well worth it because the benefits far outweigh the sacrifice. For physical training is of some value, useful for a little while. Anybody here do any physical training? We better start a program up. (laughs) Anybody here do any physical training? Okay. Notice the Bible said it's useful for a little while. Okay. But godliness, which is spiritual training is useful and of value in everything and in every way. For it holds promise for the present life and also for that which is to come. Hallelujah. So the benefits far outweigh the sacrifice that we have to make. But I believe that God is speaking to the church today. You know what he's saying? It's time to wake up, rise up, and recognize where we're at, what's going on, and don't live a watered-down lifestyle of Christianity. That's the goal, to be like Him. Amen? Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.